0: Life Audio. You're listening to Therapy and Theology, and I'm your host, Carly Merclier. This podcast is a space where we explore popular topics and questions related to the convergence of faith, feelings, spiritual formation, and more. My prayer is that through these conversations, We will grow in our awareness of who we are as beloved children of God, learn to acknowledge our needs and emotions with curiosity and compassion, and rediscover the purpose and power of our unique stories through the lens of the gospel. As a licensed therapist and ministry leader, I want to give voice to the many questions we face while cultivating a clearer view of how our faith informs our healing journey. I don't have all the answers, but I am committed to going deeper and walking together. So whether you've been to therapy or know exactly what you believe when it comes to theology, I want to invite you to join this journey as we fearlessly name the complexities of our present reality and press into the hope of the gospel story. So are you ready? Let's jump into today's question and begin this journey together. Hello and welcome back to Therapy and Theology. Today we are returning to the discussion on emotions as part of a mini series on understanding and decoding our distress. So last week I explored the problems that stem from a lack of emotional awareness and attunement, and we discussed the purpose of emotions from a biological and spiritual standpoint. Something that I feel very strongly about when it comes to our emotions and understanding them is that they speak to a need and a desire that if we can explore can lead us to both a deeper understanding of who we are and a deeper relationship with God and with others. Something that I want to stress also as we get into this series is that we tend to see emotions as either good or bad, holy or unholy, godly or ungodly. Yet the problem does not lie in the emotion itself but rather what we do with that emotion. So in our explanation of various emotions over the next few weeks, I will return to the idea that being made in the image of God and being resurrected with Christ as new creations, we have been given the capacity to reflect God's wholeness despite our brokenness. So even emotions which are rooted in our fallen nature can be viewed with compassion and humility as we seek to disarm the old self and walk in the light of our new nature. So today, we're going to start with exploring emotions that fall within the category of doubt and fear. There are many words we could use to describe these experiences, right? Commonly, we use words like worry, anxiety, concern, nervousness, terror, and the list could go on. But how we distinguish these words is by their intensity. So we can kind of think of it as a continuum doubt being maybe on one side and then shifting slowly to the highest level of fear we could possibly imagine. Oftentimes I'll have my clients create a continuum of the emotion that they're experiencing so that we can identify kind of where they're at with that emotion. Because oftentimes, right, we we tend to have very limited language surrounding our distress. Either I'm very, very distressed or I'm not distressed at all. And so it's really important to be able to identify and become attuned with the different levels of severity in those emotions. The importance of this helps us to differentiate from a diagnosis of a mental health disorder and feelings that come and go with specific triggers. And I want to put a caveat here because something that I want to be very clear about throughout this entire series is that I'm not talking about specific mental health diagnoses, but rather emotions that come up within our daily lives. So something I ask clients often is, how do you know you're anxious or how do you know you're worried? How do you know when fear is present? Because something that I think we we rarely are Accustomed to doing is recognizing in our bodies the sensations we experience about that emotion because our body tells us when we're afraid, right? So let's examine feelings of doubt and fear that present in our bodies. And this can come through our feelings sensationally, but then also our thoughts and our behaviors. Something that I think is often overlooked is that fear is a primary emotion within human experience. Our brains are actually wired to experience fear. As a way to warn us from potential danger, whether actual or even perceived within the emotion center of the brain, the amygdala, which is the part of the brain that acts as kind of like the guard processes potential threats to the body's safety. This is so cool, isn't it? Like our brain has been created to identify and keep us safe. Although our bodies are quick to react to fearful situations appropriately there is a reality of trauma that I want to be clear I mention as well. Whenever there has been a serious distressing event in our lives or repeated distressing events in our lives, our brain can experience a heightened response to stress. Psychology has explained that this emotional response can be seen within four categories. And maybe you're familiar with these fight, flight, freeze, and fun. And these responses, although we don't have time to go into them specifically today, I think are important to note because how our bodies each differently respond to the threat of danger is important, right? Knowing our body's response to fear helps us to regulate and respond appropriately. In addition to understanding how our body responds, it's important to explore the thought patterns and beliefs associated with the source of our fears and our doubts and our worries. Whether based on assumption or fact, our thoughts drive our emotions and then our behaviors. So exploring what we are thinking is vital to understanding the root of our worry, anxiety, doubt, and fear. One thing I want to highlight here is that these emotions are often labeled or judged, whether by ourselves or by others around us. We can note them as weak or as a sign of lack of faith or unproductive in our process. But what if we just took a minute to acknowledge the presence of the feeling, almost like we're observing it and come to it with some curiosity and and compassion. Instead of judging the emotion itself, what if we simply ask to understand it? And this is simply changing the way we maybe respond to the emotion, not denying it or becoming defensive towards it, but asking, what is this feeling of doubt or fear trying to tell me? What am I believing that is contributing to this feeling? And what value is my fear or doubt pointing to? These questions can be really helpful in identifying the root of what's going on inside of us. And sometimes we just need a little time and space to do that work. We have lots of reasons for anxiety and fear and doubt. But when we look at the root causes, there are four primary concerns that I think we have to maybe identify and address. First would be death. Obviously, there's a a significant fear over life and death. And then number two would be harm. Things that could be done to cause harm to us or to things we own or to people we love. Number three is personal choice. You know, I think there's a lot of concern and fear in experiences that could affect us personally or relationally. So we tend to operate out of that anxiety, whether that be socially or with people pleasing, et cetera. And then finally, the unknown. And this is a very popular one that I talk about a lot in sessions and things that feel out of our control seem to create a lot of anxiety, right? A lot of fear, a lot of doubt about what is good or bad or what is something I should do or shouldn't do, et cetera. And so there is such a soul aspect to this, right? These areas pertaining to fearful feelings speak greatly to our nature, don't they? We were designed for wholeness. We were designed for safety. We were designed to live in the knowledge of God's goodness. Yet brokenness has invaded our bodies and wages war within our hearts daily, if we look to the beginning of Scripture, we find that fear and doubt were present in the garden. And I think this is where it all went wrong. Doubt and fear entered Adam and Eve's hearts and minds, which led to what some commentators have explained as the vandalism of our souls. And I love that picture, how throughout all of Scripture we read the accounts of feelings of doubt and fear experience. And at the same time, we see God's everlasting promise to remain present and provide us with the power to withstand brokenness. We encounter, this is the reality, right? This reiterating storyline in our present lives is to face the legitimacy of our fears and the significance of our doubts, the overwhelmingness of our worries with the purpose and promise of the gospel. It's not to neglect our experiences or dismiss our doubts, but to face them with faith that God is who he says he is, and we can trust him when nothing in our world feels safe or secure. And this is where we see a spiritual and I would say social connection, right? In what ways can our fear and doubts speak to our needs, both spiritually and socially? I think one of the largest comforts in times of fear and doubt and uncertainty I have experienced is when my friends can come alongside me and relate to my emotions, even if their experiences are different from my own, knowing that I'm not alone in it is really helpful. We all have experienced doubt and fear in some degree, so we can use that knowledge to empathize and empower each other to press in and find strength. We need to know we are not alone in it. Sharing our fears and doubts with safe people helps us hear our thoughts and helps us to gain a perspective in navigating our needs and developing our values. And from a spiritual formation aspect, I see how our fears and doubts tell us a lot about what we value and what we're believing. These are moments where God invites us to come to him to look back to scripture and bring our burdens to his feet and find peace in the promise of what is everlasting and eternal. You know, this week, as I was preparing to record this episode, I had kept reading different things, whether that be scripture or commentaries, and something that kept sticking out to me was this idea of where we place our hope. And I found a quote that I think is really helpful. It said that if what you most value can be taken away or destroyed, then you set yourself up for anxiety. I keep thinking about what we place our hope in, you know, influences our ability to endure difficult things, right? And I think sometimes we forget that the hope that we have as believers is not the hope that we see in this world, right? Of comfort and security from a earthly standpoint, but rather we see our hope being set in the sufficiency of God. This is not our home. And so reorienting our minds to trust in the presence of fear is the practice. So what does this look like for us? You know, making a list of our fears, naming our doubts and bringing them to God's word is a great first step. I think ignoring the presence of these emotions does more harm than it does good. I think sometimes we can feel maybe ashamed or we can feel guilty for having fears and doubts because scripture again and again says, fear not, fear not. So I'm not supposed to be afraid, right? But what if we were able to acknowledge the presence of fear? Yes, in our human bodies, we experience the presence of fear. And then how do we bring that to the Lord and surrender it to him and acknowledge that he is the one in control and that we trust him? Every time we experience moments of anxiety, fear, doubt, etc.? There are moments to be able to challenge those fears, acknowledging them for what they are, and surrendering and submitting them to Christ. If there's one thing I have learned through this process personally, it is that God is not afraid of our questions. His love is not weakened by our whys, and his word will challenge and change us as we seek to find comfort and courage in his sovereignty and strength. So today I want to close with two of my favorite passages of scripture that remind me when fear and doubt are present in my heart and my life, to reorient my mind to trust in God's compassion, his grace, his power, and his purpose for all of my days. In Isaiah 43, 1 through 5, it says this, He who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they will not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames shall not consume you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, their Savior. I have given Egypt as a ransom and Cush and Saba in exchange for you. Because you are precious in my eyes and honored, and I love you. I give men in return for you, peoples in exchange for your life, Fear not, for I am with you. I will bring your offspring from the east, and from the west I will gather you. And then in John sixteen thirty three, he says this, I have told you these things so that in me you will have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of Therapy and Theology. If you have a question or topic you would like discussed on a future episode, please feel free to email me or drop it in the comments. Also, don't forget to subscribe to have each week's episode instantly downloaded to your podcasts and see the show notes for resources mentioned in this episode. To access more content, and join my monthly email list. For the latest updates and info, visit my website at carlymarcullier.com.